section twenty two of little journeys to the homes of american statesmen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by betty b little journeys to the homes of american statesmen by albert hubbard section twenty two part one william h seward i avow my adherence to the union with my friends with my party with my state or without either as they may determine in every event of peace or war with every consequence of honor or dishonor of life or death speech in the united states senate eighteen sixty william h seward when i was a freshman at the little red schoolhouse the last exercise in the afternoon was spelling the larger pupils stood in a line that ran down one aisle and curled clear around the stove well do i remember one winter when the biggest boy in the school stood at the tail end of the class most of the time while at the head of the line or always very near it was a freckled check-aproned girl who once at a spellin' bee had defeated even the teacher this girl was ten years older than myself and i was then too small to spell with this first grade but i watched the daily fight of wrestling with such big words as unintentionally and misunderstanding and long for a day when i too should take part and possibly stand next to this fine smart girl who often smiled at me approvingly and i planned how i would hold her hand as we would stand there in line and mentally dare the master to come on with his dictionary we too would be the smartest scholars of the school and always help each other in our sums yet when time had pushed me into the line she of the check apron was not there and even if she had been i should not have dared to hold her hand but i must not digress the particular thing i wish to explain is that one day at recess the best scholar was in tears and i went to her and asked what was the matter and she told me that some of the big girls had openly declared that she my fine freckled girl the check aproned the invincible held her place at the head of the school only through favoritism i burned with rage and resentment and proposed fight then i burst out crying and together we mingled our tears all this was long ago since then i have been in many climes and met many men and read history a bit i hope not without profit and this i have learned that the person who stands at the head of his class be he country lad or presidential candidate is always the target for calumny and the unkindness of contemporaries who can neither appreciate nor understand not long ago i spent several days at auburn new york so named by some pioneer who when the nineteenth century was very young journeyed thitherward with a copy of goldsmith's deserted village in his pack auburn is a flourishing city of thirty thousand inhabitants it has beautiful wide streets lined with elms that in places form an archway there are churches to spare and schools galore and handsome residences then there are electric cars and electric lights and dynamos with which men electrocute other men in the wink of an eye i saw the fin de siècle guillotine and sat in the chair and the jubilant patentee told me that it was the quickest scheme for extinguishing life ever invented patented anno christi eighteen hundred ninety five verily we live in the age of push-button 
and as i sat there i heard a laugh that was a quaver and the sound of a stout cane emphasizing a jest struck against the stone floor we didn't have such things when i was a boy came the tremulous voice and then the newcomer explained to me that he was eighty-seven years old last may and that he well remembered a time when a plain oaken gallows and a strong rope were good enough for auburn provided bill seward didn't get the fellow free added my new-found friend then the old man explained that he used to be a guard on the walls and now he had a grandson who occupied the same office and in answer to my question said he knew seward as though he were a brother bill he was the luckiest man ever in auburn he married rich and tumbled over bags of money if he just walked on the street he believed in neither god nor devil and had a pompous way o making folks think he knew all about everything to make folks think you know is just as well as to know i suppose and the old man laughed and struck his cane on the echoing floor of the cell the sound and the place and the company gave me a creepy feeling and i excused myself and made my way out past armed guards through doorways where iron bars clicked and snapped and steel bolts that held in a thousand men shot back to let me out out into a freer air and a better atmosphere and as i passed through the last overhanging arch where a one-armed guard wearing a gar badge turned a needlessly big key there came unbeckoned across my inward sight a vision of a check-aproned girl in tears sobbing with head on desk and i said to myself yes yes country girl or statesman you shall drink the bitter potion that is the penalty of success drink it to the very dregs if you would escape moral and physical assassination do nothing say nothing be nothing court obscurity for only in oblivion does safety lie all mud sticks but no mud is immortal and that senile fling at the name of seward is the last flickering dying word of detraction that can be heard in the town that was his home for full half a century or in the land he served so well and yet it was in auburn that mob spirit once found a voice and when seward was lincoln's most helpful adviser and his sons were at the front serving the country's cause cries of burn his house burn his house came to the distracted ears of wife and daughter but all that is gone now in fact denial that calumny was ever offered to the name of seward springs quickly to the lips of auburn men as they point with pride to that beautiful old home where he lived and where now his son resides and then they lead you with a reverence that nearly uncovers to the stately bronze standing on the spot that was once his garden now a park belonging to the people time marks wondrous changes and the city where william lloyd garrison lived in a rat hole as reported by boston's mayor now honors commonwealth avenue with his statue and so the sons of seward's enemies have devoted willing dollars to preserving that classic face and spindling form in deathless bronze and they do well for seward's name and fame are auburn's glory i may be mistaken but it seems to me that all the worry of the world is quite useless and on no subject affecting mortals is there so much worry as on that of no not love parents ambitions for their children when the dimple darling toddles and lisps and chatters the satisfaction he gives is unalloyed for he is so small and insignificant his demands so imperious that the entire household dance attendance on the wee tyrant and counted joy 
but by and by the things at which we used to laugh become presumptuous and that which was once funny is now perverse and the more practical a man is the larger his stock of connecticut common sense the greater his disillusionment as his children grow to manhood when he beholds jodling inanity and dowdy vanity growing lush as jimson where yesterday with strained prophetic vision he saw budding excellence and worth his soul is wrung by a worry that knows no peace the matter is so poignantly personal that he dare not share it with another in confessional and so he hugs his grief to his heart and tries to hide it even from himself and thus does many a mother scrub the kitchen floor on her knees rather than face the irony of maternity and ask the assistance of the seventeen-year-old pert chit with bangs who strums a mandolin in the little front parlor gay with its paper flowers six plush-covered chairs and a company sofa the late commodore vanderbilt is reported to have said i have over a dozen sons and not one is worth a damn i fear me that every father with sons grown to manhood has at some time voiced the same sentiment curtailed possibly only as to numbers and softened by another expletive which does not mitigate the anguish of his cry as he sees the dreams he had for his baby boys fade away into a mist of agonizing tears and is all this worry the penalty that nature exacts for dreaming dreams that cannot in their very nature come true jean-jacques rousseau who wrote so beautifully on child study avoided the risk of failure by putting his children into an asylum several communities since have set apart certain women to be mothers to all and bring up and care for the young and strangely with no apparent loss to the children and bellamy prophesizes a day when the worries of parenthood will all be transferred to a committee but the worry is futile and senseless being born often of a blindness that will not wait man is not only seven ages but many more and he must pass through this one before the next arrives the commodore certainly possessed what is called horse sense and if his conceptions of character had been clearer he might have realized that in more ways than one the abilities of his sons were going to be greater than his own his eldest son was nevertheless banished to a long island farm on a pension because he could not be trusted to do business the same son once modestly asked the commodore if he would allow him to have the compost that had been for a year accumulating outside the fifth avenue barns just one load and no more said pater william thereupon took twenty teams and as many men and transferred the entire pile to a barge moored in the river it was a barge load and when pater saw what had been done he said the boy is not so big a fool as i thought the boy was forty-five ere death put him in possession of the gold that the father no longer had use for there being no pockets in a shroud and he then showed that as a financier he could have given his father points for in a few years he doubled the millions and drove horses faster without a break than his father had ever ridden seward's father was a doctor justice of the peace merchant and the general first citizen of the village of florida orange county new york and he had no more confidence in his boy william than vanderbilt had in his he educated him only because the lad was not strong enough to work and it seems to have been the firm belief that the boy would come to no good end in order to discipline him the father put the youngster in college on such a scanty allowance 
that the lad was obliged to run away and go to teaching school in order to be free from financial humiliation here was the best possible proof that the young man had the germs of excellence in him but the father took it as a proof of depravity and sent warning letters to the young school teacher's friends threatening them not to harbor the scapegrace the years went by and the parental distrust slackened very little the boy was slim and slender and his hair was tow-colored and his head too big for his body he had gotten a goodly smattering of education some way and was intent on being a lawyer he seemed to know that if he was to succeed he must get well away from the parent nest and out of the reach of daily advice his desire was to go out west and the particular objective point was auburn new york the father gave him fifty dollars as a starter with the final word i expect you'll be back all too soon and so young seward started away with high hopes and a firm determination that he would agreeably disappoint his parents by not going back he reached albany by steamboat and embarked on a sumptuous canal packet that bore a waving banner on which were the words woven in gold westward ho and he has slyly told us how as he stepped aboard that inland palace he bethought him of having written a thesis three years before proving that dewitt clinton's chimera of joining the hudson and lake erie was an idea both fictile and fibrous but the inland palace carried him safely and surely he reached auburn and instead of riding home for more money returned that which he had borrowed the father who was a pretty good man in every way quite beyond the average in intellect lived to see his son in the united states senate and the moral for parents is don't worry about your children you were young once even if you have forgotten the fact boys will be boys and girls will be girls but not forever have patience and remember that this present brood is not the first generation that has been brought forth there have been others and each has been very much like the one that passed before the sentiment of pippa passes holds god's in his heaven all's right with the world in eighteen hundred thirty four seward was the whig candidate for governor of new york he was defeated by w l marcy four years later he was again a candidate against marcy and defeated him by ten thousand majority seward was then thirty-six years of age and was counted one of the very first among the lawyers of the state and in accepting the office of governor he made decided financial sacrifices seward was a man of positive ideas and although not arbitrary in manner yet had a silken strength of will that made great rents in the mesh of other men's desires before a court his quiet but firm persistence along a certain line often dictated the verdict the faculty of grasping a point firmly and securely was his in a marked measure and any man who can quietly override the wishes and ambitions of other men is first well feared and then thoroughly hated end of section twenty two